What would you do if a transgender athlete entered your son or daughter's locker room? What would you do if you had to go up against a transgendered athlete in sports? Would you kowtow to the woke mob or would you stand for truth? All of these we discuss and more with Riley Gaines on the Give Me Liberty podcast starting now. Hey, welcome to another exciting edition of the Give Me Liberty podcast with the Standing for Freedom Center right here at Liberty University. And I'm joined today by a special guest, Riley Gaines, UK swimmer and big time advocate uh, when it comes to uh, protecting women's sports and the integrity of women's sports. And uh, welcome to Liberty University. Thank you. First of all, why are you here? So I am actually here. Um, I just participated in a panel with like all these awesome, massive NFL players, um, Super Bowl winners, you know, all these Hall of Famers and Jack Brewer, of course, and then me. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. I met so many amazing people. This campus is beautiful. Um, the people here are incredible. Um, it's totally making me like question my decision of going to University of Kentucky. I love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> the facilities even here, the swimming pool. I just went and spoke with um, yeah. the swim coach and the, the team here, and I'm like in shock. It's beautiful. So thank you guys that's, that's for awesome. Yeah, everything. This is we should it's awesome. Her back. Yeah, yeah right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you. Uh, quick rewind. Um, all of a sudden. Uh, you out of nowhere were making front page news nationally uh, back in April uh, yeah. of this year. Uh, you are a record holder. You hold six uh, records at the University of Kentucky, uh, but you've, you've competed in, in many uh, swim competitions. But most recently, you came up against Leah Thomas, um, and you finished basically, what, fifth place tie? Yes, yes. And, 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 but you were not awarded the trophy. And this is where this kind of all came out and hit nationally. Right. What, what happened? So like you said, um, Leah Thomas and I raced. Uh, we raced in the 200-yard freestyle the day after Thomas won a national title in the 500-yard freestyle. Um, so we raced and we went the exact same time, uh, which means we tied down to the hundredth of a second, which in swimming is pretty rare to do. So we go behind the awards podium and the official says, you know, great job, y'all tied. We only really have one trophy. We don't account for ties, so we're going to give it to Leah. And so I'm like, okay, like I understand there's only one trophy, but can I ask you why you're giving the trophy to Leah? Like what's the thought process there? And he says, well, we're just doing this in chronological order. And I'm like, okay, at this point I realize what's happening and I say, okay, well, what are we being chronological about? Because we literally tied. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he says, well, for photo purposes, Leah has to have the trophy. Um, yours will come in the mail. You can pose with this one, but you have to give it back. Um, great job. And so it was really at this point I realized, you know, not only were we as female athletes being forced to compete against men and change in a locker room with men with male genitalia, mm. we were being sidelined to men at an all-females meet. And so... I was done waiting for someone to speak up about it, um, whether it had been a coach or someone within the NCAA or someone with political power. I thought surely someone would. Um, but once this instance happened, I realized if we as female athletes aren't willing to stick up for ourselves, why should we expect other people to? And so I took it upon myself to um, speak out about it mm. and bring light to the situation because the media thus far 
had done a terrible job of covering it and what was really happening. Mm. Um, and that on top of the fact that so many girls were intimidated and scared um, and emotionally blackmailed into not speaking out. Okay. Tell me a little bit about how your faith plays into all of this, because that's, I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah, of course. So I grew up Church of Christ, um, church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, it's a huge part of my life. Um, it always has been. My parents have brought me up to just be unwavering in your morals and to always stand tall, stand strong, and be a leader. And so I feel like up until that point in my college career, um, I had exhibited that. I was the team captain for two years. Um, I led the, the university in community service and my academics and my athletic achievements, but I have never been tested like I have going through this. Um, really, I think the whole situation, how it presented itself, um, and I'm referring to just the tying and what the NCAA official said, it couldn't have been more perfect to bring light to this and show what this is doing to female sports. Mm -hmm. um, and for it to happen to me, someone who's just not necessarily scared to speak my mind because I did grow up in such a, a great environment where mm -hmm. my parents let that flourish. Um, it's, I think it's a testimony to, you know, my faith. So much prayer has gone into this. Oh my gosh, before speaking out, you know, you have to wonder, are you doing the right thing? I'm only 22. Like this has thrown a total wrench at my life and my plans that I thought I had. Um, but I think with the guidance of God and throughout prayer, it's made the decision easy. And I, I truly feel 100% supported. Yeah. You know, reading headlines and stories, um, there have been many people that have complained, you know, but m they've done it anonymously. They've put, put their complaints, you know. Um, there are some other advocates uh, that are on the other side. There are female athletes uh, at the collegiate level. Uh, can't remember names, but University of Texas, my alma mater, went to UT Austin, which has always been a liberal school, known, right. known that way and rather progressive, uh, but then also Stanford University, advocating uh, for biological men competing in women's sports. What do you say to that? I mean, what's your push? I mean, so basically they're saying, well, come on, you know, uh, Leah Thomas or whoever else it might be, you know, in the future doesn't always win. Like, right. Why can't we just let them compete? How we've gotten here as a society where it's even been allowed, you know, I think these people think this is progressive, you know, we're moving forward. But what this is doing is taking us back 50 plus years to before Title IX, mm. which of course Title IX was created to ensure equal opportunities for women. So this isn't something that's taking us forward. This is taking us half a century back. And so I think it's worth noting that this isn't something that is moving in the right direction. We're doing a 180. Yeah. Um, we're taking away rights of females. Um, and this isn't just happening in sports. I mean, look at what's happening in schools. Look at what's happening across society. I mean, we're totally like flipping and it's, it's truly insanity is really the only word I can use to describe it. Tell me a little bit about the organization you started. Yes. So I actually started an organization, um, a federal PAC called Nine Pack. Um, it's basically used to endorse different candidates willing to fight this, mm -hmm. um, of course, bring awareness to the issue. 
um, and really kind of redefine what it is to be a modern day feminist. Yes. Um, I never, ever in a million years would have considered myself a feminist um, because I do feel like, you know, it should be man, woman, and you lean on each other. Um, Not this radical idea of woman power, I'm all independent. I don't think that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should lean on one another. Um, But if it means to be nowadays, a feminist means you support women having basic rights to change in a locker room Mm -hmm. and not have to feel exploited or exposed, then sure, call me a, (laughs) call me a feminist. Yes, absolutely. By the way, and I, I, I want to go to something else too. You know, there are, I think what, 15 states now that have banned or rather passed bills to protect women's sports. Is that correct? I think it's 19. 19 now. I think it is. So uh, Kentucky is, has been one, but it had to come, um, as, as a result of an override. So right. it, it, there is a supermajority in, uh, in the House and the Senate there in, in the state legislature, but it had, they had to override the governor's veto. Right. What part did you take in that? So I, the AG actually reached out to me initially in Kentucky. Kentucky's an interesting state. It's a red state, of course, with the Democratic governor. So um, he did veto the Fairness in Women's Sports Bill. Um, but, of course, our Senate overturned it, and so they asked me to come down to the Capitol in Frankfurt and participate in the Senate chamber um, while overriding this veto. Mm. And it was such an incredible experience. Um, I could tell, you know, me being there, sharing that personal experience of how this affects females and how it impacts their health, their mental health, You know, I think so many people get caught up on the mental health of one transgender athlete Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, obviously it's a small minority in comparison to the female population. But what about what are it's at the expense of other people. And so I think being there and sharing, you know, my experience opened some eyes and it it did. The veto got overturned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think I believe it was Senate Bill 83. Um, that's right. Yep. Yep. It mm-hmm. was passed. And so that was really awesome. You know, that's, you bring out a great point and that is to, to recognize that in the compassion, let's say misguided compassion of some others, I, I do believe, um, Riley have very malevolent, right. uh, motivations in doing this. Uh, but I think others are sort of thinking, no, 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 we, we, you know, I, I truly feel pain for people who, uh, you know, suffer with gender dysphoria, right? Right. Yet, you have to recognize how other people suffer as a result as well. So instead of, let's say, protecting uh, the innocence of others, instead, let's project upon them these rules, and they have to live by the rules of this one individual. You're exactly right. Because love, because love is love, or because of compassion, or whatever. Right. So I think people think we're being inclusive, but in being inclusive, we are being so exclusive. Mm. And that's something so many people are missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just in terms of displacing people on the podium. It's so far beyond that. Um, Of course, there's titles lost, there's opportunities and scholarships and so many things, but to be at that meet, it just felt like it, the situation at hand that the media was, you know, obviously covering, it was a distraction. Everything we'd worked our whole lives um, to showcase, you were distracted. You were being exposed in the locker room. Mm. Um, 
it's more than just displacing someone on a podium, and I think people kind of get wrapped up in that sometimes. There was a story um, a couple of weeks ago out of Canada, this, this bizarre sort of picture of this um, you know, transgendered, um, <laughs> sort of cross-dressing, yeah. right? And, and he was wearing basically what amounted to a prosthetic costume, you know, just, and it was so obscene. And in that moment, what you saw was somebody who was so deeply troubled, so deeply lost, and yet there was no way for them to actually constructively teach their students. They had to be the subject. You know, it's, it's almost like all the attention of the classroom has to be drawn upon this right. person rather than focusing on what, what they're supposed there. to, what they're yeah. actually there for. But you illustrate that point. You spend your whole life working for something, but you also have a team and you have other teams and other schools being represented. An entire meet can be disrupted by one individual and a whole litany of lawyers and progressives and others who are just cowardly. Right. But you're, you are young women who have come to compete and you want to at least have an even playing field. And one person, one activist can disrupt that whole thing. Right, and that's exactly what we saw. Um, and then to go on and say after the meet, Leah Thomas did an interview basically saying, if you don't support trans people in sports, you can't support them at all. Um, I want a spot on the Olympic team and I'll pretty much take down whoever to get a female spot in the Olympic team. I mean, the utter disregard for females, mm. the entitlement, the selfishness, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And we're supposed to change our whole society, um, all of female athletics, we've rewritten Title IX because of such a small minority and their happiness, their mental health, mm. their authenticity. It's crazy. Um, and like I said, it's at the expense of so many other things. And I, I think clearly it's because we don't have enough people on the majority, which is, of course, how we're speaking it, speaking out about this. Mm. Um, after being in this situation and talking to different girls across the NCAA, 95% of people I interact with think the same way I do. Um, and I've, I've broadened who I'm interacting with, um, even within the LGBTQ community. So many people are not okay with this. Um, but they're threatened. These girls, oh my gosh, at the Ivy League, they have it so bad. And the media does a terrible job of even exposing this. But they were actually sent an email that said, hey guys, if you feel uncomfortable um, changing in a locker room with a male and seeing male genitalia, here's some counseling resources you should seek. Um, here's the LGBTQ education center so you can educate yourself on what these people are dealing with. And it's so mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, they're told their school has made their stance for them, um, so they're not allowed to speak out about it. But if they so choose to and any harm comes to that transgender athlete's way, um, they are solely responsible so they're telling these girls they could be responsible for someone's harm if they speak out. Mm. And so the amount of stress it puts these girls under, it's crazy that, so not only is this an issue now of what this whole societal thing, it's a, a infringement on freedom of speech. Yes, it is. Okay, big picture. You've been called out to do this, to speak out. What would you like to see happen in this country? I think, first and foremost, accountability has to be had. I think that's something our country, um, under this leadership, lacks 
incredibly. It's just accountability, and that's across all boards. Um, I think the NCAA needs to take ownership of what this has caused, what this will look like for the future, um, and how this has totally thrown a wrench at what Title IX was created to protect. Um, so accountability first and foremost, and of course, secondly, a change has to be made where this cannot happen again. Mm. Um, and you know, you have so many people arguing, oh, it's only a, a handful of people. No, a handful of people, even that is too many. One person, one girl having to compare themselves to a man is one girl too many. Mm-hmm. Um, and along those lines, it's not just a handful. This is so underreported. It's happening across so many sports. Um, just the other day, in disc golf, actually, and I know it's disc golf, so take it as you will, but a transgender athlete um, won $27,000 in prize money that was meant to go to a female. Yeah. So how crazy that we're allowing this and these female athletes who are losing out on this money and these opportunities aren't stepping up and saying something about it. Um, but to answer your question, sorry, is accountability needs That's to be taken. Perfect, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> accountability needs to be taken. A change has to be made. Yeah. I, I so appreciate uh, your boldness. Um, I can't help but think there are thousands of students here at Liberty University, elsewhere, also at the University of Kentucky. Um, that have been inspired by your story, what message would you give them to encourage them as well to speak up? I think the message I would give them, um, which I wish someone told me initially, um, was that you don't need to be personally affected, like have some dramatic story like I do. I think, Mm. yes, it definitely helped my cause in getting to the point where I felt comfortable speaking up, but you don't need that direct experience to not be okay with this. Um, You don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be a female. Um, This is something that affects everyone, regardless of your, you know, your age, your gender, your um, race. This affects everyone. Um, And if you're not a female athlete, I'm sure you know someone who is. And so I think my advice would be stand tall, use your voice. This is something that has to be dealt with with volume. Um, the more voices, the more people will realize um, the majority in the situation. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> the one and only Riley Gaines, thank you so much for joining of course, the of Give course. Me Liberty podcast. Yes. So, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Give Me Liberty podcast. Please like and subscribe and share with a friend. Only a true friend shares the gift of the Give Me Liberty podcast. Wasn't it a great conversation with Riley Gaines? What a hero she is to women across the country. She stood up in the face of the woke mob and woke media to speak the truth, not her truth. That's what the other side is doing. Their truth, your truth, my truth. It's all relative. No, she stood for the truth. And that takes courage today. And that is what is needed. That kind of boldness, that kind of clarity and conviction now more than ever. I hope you're inspired by her story and I hope you'll support her her and others like her in this endeavor. It takes all of us standing together in order to have freedom. Until next time, God bless you.